Well, it's good to be back. Um, it's hard to believe that I was gone for four weeks, and now I'm here. Um, I thank you for all your prayers. It was a good trip, and uh, it flew by very quickly. To me, the four weeks seemed like a couple of days. That's how quick time went for me. But it's good to be here this morning. Well, those, uh, anybody new here? I know we knew have a guest here this morning. Uh, we've been studying the book of 2 Timothy, and if you've just joined us, uh, we're looking at uh, chapter 2 this morning, and we're going to do a quick overview of chapter 2, and uh, if you could bring up slide 1, let's take a look at some of the things that uh, we've already discussed. Now, I know the print is a little small here, but I'll just read it if you can't see it. Um, some of the things we learned in chapter 2 was be strong in Christian graces. We see that there was various exhortations that were given to Timothy from Paul, and these are just a, some of these lists uh, of items that um, Paul talked to Timothy about. The second is commit the great trust which he had received from faithful men. You know, Timothy was taught by Paul, and now he's challenging Timothy to go out and teach others and to be faithful in that activity. Also, we looked at he should possess the discipline of an athlete. We also see that he will endure hardships like a good soldier, pleasing the Lord in whose service he is in. Also, to be like a farmer who looks onward for the reward of his labor, being patient to endure all the trials which he would be exposed to. Another was know the certainty of the truth that he would suffer for the sake of the gospel. Another, the fact that his sufferings here would be crowned with certain glory. Another, the assurance that the Lord Jesus will be faithful to all his promises to his people. And one, press upon the hearts of others that they not may waste their time in unprofitable pursuits, but might engage in the great, same great and demanding struggle for securing the reward. And one is to study to perform his duties in such a way that he would not be ashamed and avoid unimportant or cause dissension or friction. And to free himself from all that was improper and impure and to be a vessel to be used of the Lord. And lastly, as we wrap up chapter 2 today, is to exhort on how to conduct ourselves as gentle servants. Gentle servants of the Lord for the spreading of the gospel. The key word, gentle servants. And I want you to kind of keep that in mind, gentle servants. That's what we're called to do. We have all these exhortations. Now take all these exhortations toward the end of the chapter and be that gentle servant. Because all these exhortations are meaningless if you don't do it as a gentle servant. Do you like people to be gentle with you? Have you ever been beat over the head by somebody? Maybe on a job? 
or you get into a conversation, they just beat you up, beat you up, beat you up. Do you like that? That's not fun, is it? As I see Joanna smiling, her and I have had conversations of things going on at work where she's at and some of the exhortations she gets from different people. But it's not, not fun to get beat up. It's a lot better if somebody comes alongside of you with a gentle spirit and kind of lead you along and to guide you. Isn't that a lot better? That's what, that's what um, Paul's talking to Timothy about. Now that we see all these exhortations, which is a, quite a list in chapter 2, now he says, be that gentle servant. Well, what a way to end up the chapter, isn't it? It's a perfect way to end that chapter. Be the gentle servant. Well, to accomplish these exhortations given to Timothy and for us as followers of Christ, because this is to Timothy, but this is to us as well. This is for us who are believers and followers of Christ. And Paul here gives us some clear direction in this morning's verses as to how we are to conduct ourselves. How should we go out amongst the unsaved world and conduct ourselves as gentle servants? And that's what Paul talks about in our verses this morning from 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And he instructed us to be an example of gentleness and meekness and to patiently instruct those that are unsaved. They have a different character than you. They're going to think differently than you. They don't have the mind of Christ in you. Sometimes we forget about that. We forget as to where we, where we come from as to where they're coming from. They're of a different character. Their whole mindset is totally different than ours. And oftentimes we go in there expecting them to think like we think. Well, just think of the time before you knew Jesus Christ. Did you have trouble with some of the, the great truths from the scriptures and how they applied to you? You wonder, well, you know, how does this apply to me? I don't know if I agree with that. Well, they're going to think different, but that's okay. Just remember that. The idea is that they would know and understand the gospel. Those are the key things, that they might know and that they might understand the gospel. And how do you get that across? In a very gentle way. Not beating them over the head, okay, but in a gentle manner. So that they might hear the gospel resulting in a personal relationship with Christ themselves, just like each of you who know Christ. Well, let's open up your Bible this morning to 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And can we add slide 2 up? Thank you, Daniel. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, be patient in humility and correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Let's pray. Father, as we go through these verses this morning, we pray that you might bless the reading of your word that you might open our eyes and our ears in a way 
to instruct us by the power of your word and that it might move us to the right character and to the right actions that we have with others that we share with. So we commit ourselves into your hands this morning. Teach us, Lord, what your will be in our lives. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Well, if I were to title today's message, it's a simple title. One, a believer's conversation with gentleness lasts. You know, if you're gentle with a person, that conversation will last for a long time. Now, have you ever gotten in an argument with somebody and you got into this debate? Have you ever noticed how a person kind of closed their ears and they don't remember the conversation? Well, when you do it with gentleness, oftentimes they remember that. I, I recall some people saying, you know, you were so patient with me. Have you ever had that from people you've talked to? You were so patient with me, willing to go through the scriptures with me. And I appreciate that. That's what people look for. Somebody is going to be gentle and patient. So today's message, a believer's conversation with gentleness lasts. And I like what it says in Colossians 3.12 that we also should have this attitude in our conversations. One, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. That's what our character should be. But oftentimes, we want to get out ahead of everything, get ahead of the Lord, and do it through our own power, through the flesh. And we sometimes blow it, don't we? But we're commanded here, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. It makes a big difference when you speak to people. You know what? They're going to open up their ears and listen to you. Somebody who's meek, humble, kind, and care, show sincerity and care for me. I kind of liken it to uh, every once in a while I'll be, um, oh, like when I was in the Philippines, I was in a restaurant, they were playing this music and it was so irritating to my ears. I couldn't wait for it to, I wanted to go tell them, turn it off. It was irritating. Well, you know, some people, they hit on you so hard, you know, they're kind of irritating. You don't want to listen to them, right? You don't listen to anything they hear or they say. But someone that comes along with it, like music, sweet music, soothing music to your ears, you want to listen to it more and more, don't you? That's the way your speech should be. You want to hear more. When I think of gentleness, there's some words that come to mind. Daniel, could you bring up the next slide? And I thought that we would look at some, some words around gentleness to kind of get our heads around these verses this morning about what gentleness is. Now, when I look at gentleness, I thought of some of these words, and I'll, and I'll group, group these into three categories. Um, mild manner through warm, hopefully you can see this. Um, I categorize these as being a good listener. Being a good listener. You know, mild manner, calm, 
kind, tender, warm. Those are the characteristics of someone who's a good listener. And we often miss that today. We're not good listeners. We just want to keep speaking, right? Um, you ever thought about why the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth? He wants us to listen. The uh, kind of interesting, if he gave us two mouths, sometimes we talk as if we have two mouths, we just keep rattling off, right? Look at some of these characteristics. Look at mild-mannered. Are you like that? Are you calm? Are you kind, tender, and warm as you talk with people about the gospel? Or are you harsh or agitated, you're cruel or you're rough in the way you approach an individual? Take check of some of these words and how you speak with people. The other group is compassionate, considerate, Forgiving, tolerant, thoughtful. I see these. Um, do we place ourselves in the same situation they were in? Do we understand where they're coming from? You have to remember, you know, you as believers, you've got a lot of input. You've got a lot of truth. You have a lot of understanding of God's word. And the person you're talking to who is unsaved, they don't have these truths. They have a complete different understanding that you have. So be compassionate with them. Understanding that you're trying to bring them to the same point where you're at. But it's a gradual process. It's not something that happens overnight. Sometimes it, it can. It can happen in one encounter. But oftentimes it can be weeks. It could be months. It could be years. But just understand that they may not be where you were at. So be compassionate, considerate, forgiving, tolerant, thoughtful. And the next group, humble and patient, putting ourselves in the same shoes that they're in. Remember, <laughs> many times when I talk to people, I could relate to where they're at. Man, I can relate to where you're at. I was there once in my life. Myself, in my life. Wear their shoes. Try to get where, they, where they're coming from. You probably were there yourself. It's interesting how the Lord works. <coughs> Oftentimes, he will bring you in an encounter with people who have very similar background as yourself. And there's a reason for that. It's because you can have compassion and have a better understanding as to where that person is coming from. What are the struggles that they're going through? So those are the three groups. So take check of this list. Are there things on the opposites there that you struggle with? Work on those things. Commit those to the Lord and remove those things from your speech, your actions, your character, and take on the characteristics of the gentle person. So let's go through a verse-by-verse -verse, uh, study now, starting in verse 24. Let's examine each of these verses, and let's look for all these little nuggets of truth. You know, I like the nuggets of truth because the Word says, look to the Word like pure, fine gold, right? Search it out. How does this apply to me? 
So we're going to look for some nuggets here. First of all, Paul, he says, and a servant of the Lord, he's speaking, Paul is speaking to Timothy as a servant of the Lord, and he's primarily referring to Timothy, but you know, this is applicable to us as Christians, as believers. For all who profess to be servants of the Lord, this is a message for us. We're servants of the Lord. Remember that. We're servants of the Lord. We're not the servants of Howard. I'm not the servant of Calvary Bible Chapel. I'm not the servant of Safeway, soon to be done in a week. But um, I'm a servant of the Lord. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, we're all servants of the Lord. Sometimes we forget about that. Man, what a wonderful calling that is, to be a servant of the Lord. And so Paul is reminding Timothy, you are a servant of the Lord. It's better than being the president of the United States. You're a servant of the Lord. That's great. You ever thought about that before? How great that is? I mean, if you were here and somebody got a job, man, I'm going to be an executive assistant to the president of the United States. Man, you'd be talking about that. Uh, it's a really cool thing, but this is even cooler. You're a servant of the Lord. Oftentimes we forget about that. So, Paul reminds Timothy that he is a servant of the Lord. And then he goes on and <clears throat> next and he, he shows us what our character should be like. He, he talks about four different points here of our character and what it should be like. One, we must not quarrel. Sometimes we forget about that. You know, we want to get into debate. You know, people like, some people just love to debate. Uh, I know, Angelo, just for you, do people love to debate when they get caught, you know, speeding and you give them a ticket? <laughs> they find out, you know, try to give every excuse under the world, under the sun, to debate and try to get out of it. But people just naturally, inherently love to debate. So they end up getting into a quarrel. And it's interesting that Paul hits, this is the first thing in character, do not quarrel. It's important because we have this tendency of doing that. I mean, I've done it. Have I done that? But we like to quarrel. But it's interesting. I like to see how Paul hits Timothy on this one point. Must not quarrel. You know, a servant of the Lord will we'll calmly inquire after the truth calmly inquire after the truth. Discussing all the points of the morals, all the various uh, religious aspects of, of religion, correcting someone's theology, but when we do it, we should do it with a proper spirit. Because remember, we're there to try to correct one's thinking. That's the whole idea, is to correct where one is thinking that's off base from what the scriptures say. But we're not to quarrel, we're not to be making war to make a fight with somebody. The servant of Christ should be a person of peace and not to struggle for a victory. Oftentimes, you know, we want a, a victory. Put that flag in the ground, we want a victory. I won that battle. Now that isn't how we do that. We need to be a person of peace and not to struggle just for the mere victory. 
but trying to maintain the truth. See, that's the whole idea is to bring truth to individuals who don't have the truth. That's the key. In order to do that, we need to speak with a kind spirit, be mild-tempered, be honest, but honest in a way where it's designed not to provoke anger. You know, we can be honest with people, but there's two results. You could either provoke anger in an individual or irritate that individual with some of the things you say or in a calm way show them so that they might want to seek the truth. See, that's the idea. You want to, them to seek the truth. Kind of like, uh, you know, let your, it says, let your words be seasoned with salt. Okay, let me ask you this. Uh, what does salt do to food? Doesn't it enhance the flavor? Does salt also heal? Salt has a healing effect on the body. I remember, you know, if I had gum problems, I, they'd say, you know, gargle with salt, right? It, it, it soothes the, the gums. It, soothes, it has a soothing effect. It gives taste. Um, I think you probably heard this before. Uh, can, you lead a, can you lead a horse to water? Can you make a drink? Okay, you can make a drink, just give him a salt lick. <laughs> give him a salt lick, and what are they going to do? They're going to go for the water trough, and they're going to start drinking up that water as fast as they can. Well, when you present the gospel and present the word of God, you want it to be a salt lick. Right? You want her to come back to it over and over and over again. But it's the way you present your presentation is the salt lick. You want them to come back for more. So let your words be seasoned with salt. And the second point he says in verse 24, but be gentle to all. Now, that's key. It says gentle to all, just not some. But it says to all, everyone. Everyone you speak to, there should be a spirit of gentleness. It means the Christian is to be meek and to be mild towards all, not argumentative or quarrelsome, but be gentle as a dove. Be gentle as a dove. Third point is able to teach. Able to teach. Now, uh, if you talk to someone about the gospel, wouldn't it be important to understand what the gospel is? Wouldn't it be interesting to, uh, if you got into a situation where you're talking to someone about the Lord and all of a sudden you just went totally blank and you didn't know what to say? Well, it shouldn't be that way. See, when you learn the word of God and you understand the word of God, especially the plan of salvation, that should be subtly in your mind as to how to present the gospel message. Learn it if you don't know it. Learn how to present it in a wonderful way so people will understand clearly what that message is. 
able to teach. Memorize God's word. Memorize scriptures that will bring to your mind those scriptures are needed at that moment of time when you're sharing the truths of God's word and the gospel and who Christ is. You know, it's interesting that over the years you study the Bible. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to somebody and suddenly this verse that you memorized or you reviewed many years ago suddenly comes to your mind? It's just there? Well, that's the Lord. He brings it to our remembrance, his word. The problem is, if it's not here, can the Lord bring to remembrance? Nope. It's impossible. So put it into your heart. Put the word of God in your heart so that it can be used by the Lord as you speak to others. So it will come to remembrance at the appropriate time. So we're to know the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then the third point of verse 24 is to be patient. Um, there's some people that you're going to run into that you can lose your patience. Um, Gary, have you run into any people at Safeway like that? <laughs> I know I have in my 43 years at Safeway. I can lose my patience with some individuals, but um, I have to t sometimes step back and say, okay, this is just the way they are, but how do I strengthen that relationship with them? How do I win them over to my way of thinking? It takes patience. But uh, some people will say, well, I want, you know, Lord grant me patience. So then the Lord puts me in a situation where he gives me a situation to be patient and I can't handle it. <laughs> or I want it right now. Lord, I want to be patient now. It doesn't work that way. Just be patient. Again, it's being that gentle servant. Be reminded of the different words of what gentleness is all about. If those are living in your life, you will be patient. But again, just remember where a person is coming from. Be patient with them. It means being tolerant and enduring under troubles or problems, tribulations, grievances, or wrongs that have been made toward you. But yet, still be patient. Because you're trying to win a soul. Be patient with them. Don't give quick answers. Don't be afraid of silence when you speak with people. You know, that's something we've lost the art of communication where we might ask a person a question and they don't say anything. Well, then we ask another question or we might give the answer to them. Be patient. There's nothing wrong with silence. Give them an opportunity to think through the things that were said. Don't be like a biblical machine gun and start firing scripture after one right after another. Give them time to think through the things from the word so that they might contemplate the truths that you know. And in verse 25... 
It says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Again, the word humility comes up. This should be a character trait in each one of us when we're presenting the gospel in humility. Correcting those who are in opposition. Now, uh, have you ever been faced in a situation where you correct somebody in a difficult situation? What is sometimes their reaction when you correct somebody? They get upset, don't they? They don't like it. And some might get so upset at it, they won't even talk to you. But there's nothing wrong with correction. Again, you don't have to, you know, this is, this is something. <laughs> What's it like, Matt, when somebody comes up and they correct you and they, it feels like this? You don't like that. better when somebody comes up and says, you know, Matt, right? Not this. That approach is not going to win anything. You won't get their attention by pressing and pounding on an individual. But correcting those in an operation to, to come to those who embrace an error or who array themselves with things that are against the truth in the scriptures. You, you run into these people all over. Um, you know, we're not to hold them to public reproach, you know, because they believe something, you know, different than you believe. But we're to set about the businesses patiently instructing them to the truth. That's the, that's the thing. Bringing them to the knowledge of the truth. Don't be angry with such persons or denounce them as heretics. I mean... So some people you could talk to, they'll come up with these wild theological you know, truths that they have that are totally 180 degrees from what the scriptures say. And I've seen some people go, oh, you really believe that? Well, no. Isn't it better to say, let's take a look to see what God's word says about that. It's technique, it's approach. But don't hold them up to public report, reproach or scorn, but patiently instruct them because they're ignorant of the truth. That's the key. They're ignorant of the truth. And it's your job to teach them the truth, to instruct them in the truth. Well, if you enter into any kind of harsh contention, you know, you're going to put that person at guard. They're going to stop listening to you. They're going to put their guard up and they're going to stop listening. And I'm sure each of you have found that in your own lives. You get into, you're harsh with them, get in contention, they'll put their guard up, and before you know it, they're going to start defending all their, their position. And they'll defend it for the rest of the conversation. They'll defend it the next time you meet. They'll defend it the, you know, a year from now. They'll always try to defend their position. But get to a point where you patiently bring them along so that they might understand the truth of God's word and let God's word speak to their hearts. And that's got to be done again with meekness and gentleness. These are the key words, meekness and gentleness when you speak to others.
so that you can convince them about their wrong, to convince them about their wrong teaching. Win his heart first and then modestly and kindly show them what the truth is. The key here is to use the word to speak to people. That's why you want to learn the word of God. Bring the word along to the individual. Let them see for themselves. You know, I, I know before I was saved, um, I was somewhat um, not convinced. I was not convinced that this was, you know, the word of God. I thought it was just a bunch of books written by a bunch of men. And, um, but it's interesting, as someone spoke to me, you know, I told them, I'm not going to believe anything you say. I want to see it in black and white. And that's what you want to do. You want to bring the word in front of them so that they can see, them, see the scripture for themselves and put the, the lessons to be learned okay, in context with that individual so that they can understand from God's word. It's not from you, right? It's from God's word. So use God's word to speak to the person. Because remember now, it says, for the word of God is living, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's how powerful the word is. It's more powerful than your speech. So when you see that it's more powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and a two-edged sword is interesting. It's probably the, it was the most feared weapon in those days uh, during the Roman Empire, where a two-edged sword was sharpened on both sides. And in warfare, what they would do is they would pierce this way, pierce down, so it would just slice you down, and then they would pull up like this, so it would just cut you in, in half right here. Because it says, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It exposes you, it opens you up. That's what the sword did, just think of this. Down, up, opens everything, exposes everything about you. That's what the word of God does to a person's thoughts and minds and their thinking. It exposes where they really are. And it's not you doing it. What's doing it? The Word of God. See, you put the Word of God between you and that other individual. There's the power. You know, let the Holy Spirit convict the individual. You know, sometimes we, we try to convince, convict. Well, that's not our job is to convict. It's our job to bring the truth. The Holy Spirit convicts. Oftentimes we want to be the Holy Spirit, don't we? So let the Word of God do His work. Let the Holy Spirit do His work. And next, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Well, give them such a view of their error, of their thinking, that they have embraced so that they might regret for having embraced it all these years. Um, so that they might be willing to admit that, 
hey, you know what? I was wrong, and now I know the truth. Well, that's the key here, that God might grant them repentance. That's the whole idea, is bringing the truth to an individual so that they might understand who they are in God's eyesight. Not what their friends think of themselves, not what their family thinks of them, not what their friends think, not what their workmates think of them, but what God thinks of them. That's the whole idea. Who am I really in God's eyes? That's the important thing. Get them to a point where they admit to their error. And you know, there's a lot of error going on. Just think of the input people get today through music, through books, through film, through video, through TV. All these, the error in thinking about the person of God, the error in the person, the, the, the way to salvation. the untruths about who we are as individuals. Just think, all this input that the people get, um, you gotta sort through all of that. And that's why the Word of God will sort it out. Let the Word of God sort that out. Now, as we speak, we can't be certain that they're really gonna understand their error. We can't rely on any certainty on any power that we have or any argument that we have. But we can rely on God that God will show them the error. See, that's the key, that God will show them the error. And, get, and again, we're the ministers of the word. We bring the word so that they might know their error and know the truth. But again, this is the work of the Holy Spirit and not our role. In verse 26, we see that, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. We need to remember that, just think, they belong to Satan. The people that are unsaved, they belong to Satan. Their father is the devil. And what we're trying to do is show them the truth so that they might be delivered from the snare that they've been in, in, you know, captured by, ensnared by the devil. Uh, can you relate to that? Were you there one day? Yep. We were all there. But you want to release them from the snare. And how do you do that by being that gentle? Servant, bringing the word of God to them in a gentle way so that they might understand it, so that they would turn away from their error, so that they might be sober again, that they might wake up from their spiritual stupor. Because that's what they're in. They're kind of in a drunkenness of the world. They're in the drunkenness of believing something that's, that's a lie. But you want to wake them up, arouse them from their sleep, that they might come to their right mind and a right understanding of God's word and who they are in God's eyesight. Arouse them from the state of drunkenness and from sleep and escape the snare of the devil, it says. 
The general idea here is clear in this verse, that the influence of air is represented in producing a sleep. It produces a sleep, a stupor. It's up to us to help rescue them from that. That's what we do. We're rescuers. We're better than the EMT. <laughs> We're rescuers. Bring people out of their spiritual stupor. Next it says, And having been taken captive by him to do his will. Well, the unsaved have been captivated by Satan to do his will. Seducing them to believe the lie. Whatever it is they might believe that's contrary to the word, Satan has been there to seduce them in believing the lie. That's what he does. He is a liar. He is a great liar. And he's out there to conform all of his to his will. But it's the business of each one of us to carry to the unsaved the gospel message. The message of salvation. Well, the message of the gospel should continually be sounded in the ears of the sinner. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. And that's what Paul is reminding Timothy to do. It's a reminder to him, regardless of the circumstances that you're in, regardless of who is surrounding you, Remember to preach the gospel to the unsaved so that they might be delivered from the snare of the devil. They might be delivered to do the will of God and not the will of Satan. The gospel, again, is the message of hope, isn't it? It's a message of hope. It's a message of peace. And it's a message of life eternal for all that believe. Fantastic message. It's better than message of Satan. Because this message will lead to eternal destruction. However, should they reject your teaching? Remember this, this is key. This, I remember this early on in my Christian walk, is that verse in 1 Thess 4, 8, it says, Therefore, who rejects this does not reject man, but rejects God, who has given us his Holy Spirit. See, it's oftentimes as people, we spend time with people, we don't like to be rejected. But remember, if they reject, they're not, are they rejecting you? Remember, you're the messenger. You know, sometimes at work, you know, we have to give a bad message to people. And oftentimes, I don't know, Gary, you've probably done this yourself at Safeway. I'll say, hey, I'm only the messenger. Don't shoot me. <laughs> you know, I'm only delivering the message. Well, God is delivering the message here. And you're the messenger. You're delivering the message from God. So if they reject, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting his word. So don't beat yourself up if you get rejected. 
just praise God that you were able to use to share the truth and that it might be used by the Holy Spirit to bring one to repentance and to salvation in Christ. Daniel, next slide. Well, be used as God's messenger. This is the message. Be used as God's messenger. Just like Paul was reminding Timothy, he's reminding us too. We're his messenger. We're to do it in gentleness, meekness, with humility, knowing the word of God, bringing it forth to others. Here's some verses that you might think about. In Acts 2.28, Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, that they will hear it. God has already said they will hear it. He said this is a message for them. They will hear it. So go out there and give it to them so that they might know it and hear it. And in John 6.45, It is written... And the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes from me. Though the words from the word comes from God. Again, you're just a messenger. You're the gentle servant, bringing forth the truth of God's word. And then in Matthew 28, 19, every Christian, every believer has been given the great commission to go out and to preach the gospel. We have a role, we have a responsibility, as Paul is telling Timothy, to go out and to preach the gospel. It says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're all called to do. And he says, go. That's for all of us. Go. So at the end here, it's summary of these last few verses in Timothy. It's like Paul saying to us, Now go, therefore, and conduct yourselves as gentle servants. Being gentle servants of the Lord for the spreading of the gospel. That's what these last verses to talk about. Let's pray. Father, we commit our lives to you and that you might use us as your messengers to bring forth the gospel to the unsaved world. And Lord, press it upon our hearts to be gentle, to be humble, to be kind as we speak to those who do not know the truth. We pray, Lord, that the word of God would be placed upon our hearts in a manner that when we share the word of God that it might have an impact in one's soul. That the Holy Spirit would use this to lead others to Calvary, to lead others to repentance and a life in Christ. So Lord, we just pray that you would continue to use us as your servants. We pray that we might have the gentleness of Christ in our lives always. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.